I met Sterling Gardner through some mutual biz friends, so I've had a chance to get to know him over the last several months. He's not afraid of the hard questions, and he's built a business around (gasps) getting actual results for his clients. Imagine that. Before he got into digital marketing, he lived in Hollywood, writing and selling stories. But I'll let him tell you more about that. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Defiant Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, founder of Defy the Status Quo, a branding and marketing consultancy. This podcast is for the business owners and professionals who have seen the status quo in their industry and are ready to do things differently. We're here for the contrarians, mavericks, and rebels. On the Defiant Business Podcast, we'll talk about marketing, sales, client and customer experiences, finances, and amazing entrepreneur journeys that show that none of us are alone. Thank you for joining me. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ruthie. And man, I feel like I'm just really kicking 2022 off with some amazing guests. And we are continuing that trend with Sterling Gardner. So Sterling, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited that you asked me. So thank you. So in terms of how I know Sterling, we met through some mutual friends and I attended one of his workshops where, and I was like, I don't know about this, but Sterling is a pro at five-day challenges, not just doing them for himself, but doing them for clients. That's what his business is centered around. And I'll let him tell you more about that. But I'm going to share his bio with y'all real quick because I'm just like, who is this man? And how did he get here? Because his journey is probably just as many left and right weird turns as mine is. So Sterling spent 20 years in Hollywood as a writer, producer, and performer where he told and sold stories for a living. A self-proclaimed slow learner, he finally figured out he didn't feel at home in Hollywood and moved to Asheville, North Carolina, where he owns and runs a digital agency specializing in five-day challenges and Facebook ads. He is a trauma survivor and still deals with thoughts of anxiety and depression and is creating a coaching program to help others like him succeed in their marketing. Sterling, we can tell you're from Hollywood. That was one of the best bios I've ever seen. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Like, we got his professional stuff. He's like, oh, this is what Sterling was doing before. And then, you know, he's like, hey, I'm going to be honest. Like, these are some of the things that I struggle with, and I'm still seeking to help others. Like, he just, he just gave us, like, a really, just a few sentences and gave us a really good, rounded vision of you. So, wonderful. Well, thanks. Okay. So, I have been connected with Sterling for some months now, and I have seen some amazing shifts in understanding from him as he shared them on Facebook. So I had to ask you, Sterling, for the audience, what do you think is the most important thing that you've learned in like the last 12 months or so? I will contextualize my answer by saying 2021 was probably one of the hardest. I love when people say growth opportunities and I'm putting up air quotes because that's a really nice way of saying a lot of shit hit the fan. (laughs) Business-wise, personalized, obviously everyone was dealing with the pandemic, but it was just a complete like shovel to the face last year. And and then I felt like it was repeated shovels to the face. So there was a lot of growth, a lot of learning, but I will say that the biggest thing that stands out to me, and this this might be one of the posts you're referring to, was I realized, and for those of you that are, are marketers, you'll understand. And for those that aren't, hopefully I can make this clear, but there's a thing in marketing and it's almost marketing 101 where you sort of have to plant your flag. Like this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is what I don't stand for. 
And it helps people identify with, hey, do I want to follow this person and what they have to say? Well, I had this massive light bulb moment a few months ago where I was like, oh, wow, it's really interesting because there are people. And by the way, I'm not saying that any of these people are quote unquote bad people or anything, but I recognize there's a big shift right now from the bro markety stuff and the like the slick sales stuff and the tactics and, and just not being a good person in your marketing overall. And then there's people who call that out entirely and say, we stand for impact and integrity and all these things, which sound really, really great on the outside. And I think that those things are generally great, but I recognized quickly that people who plant that particular flag are also doing a form of what they profess they don't like seeing in other types of groups, and that's indoctrination. And I I don't want to say cult because I don't necessarily believe that that's, I mean, cult drives people to drink Kool-Aid and kill themselves. So like, I'm not going that far, but there is a, there is a, this person can do no wrong mentality that goes with that. And I think that's really dangerous because those people, even though they're planting their flag in impact, integrity, marketing with, you know, whatever the phrases that they are, because I don't want to call them out specifically. You just have to be mindful that everybody's doing their version of the same thing, planting the flag, creating a strong following, I won't say cult, and that those people aren't perfect human beings and they're not always right. They will give bad advice. I don't believe anybody's intentionally giving bad advice, but you have to Mm -hmm. Try to look at everything from a 10,000 foot view. And even if there's somebody who you're like, ew, I would never want to hang out with that person in public. I've shifted into a place of I can be in groups with anybody as long as there's not like some crazy, you know, unethical stuff that I hate. And I'm like, you can learn a little bit from everybody and you should because different perspectives to me are far more important than one person's perspective that you put all your eggs in their basket. (laughs) That was a very long answer, but I'm very strongly opinionated about that after some stuff that I've seen in all different kinds of groups. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I'm I'm writing a book and I am calling it cult coaching. Oh, interesting. Okay, good. But that's, yeah, that's that's what it's called. Um, And then for the podcast itself, we actually have a, a cult coaching set of podcast episodes. And it's not because they're all cults in the same extreme Jonestown type of cult, i.e. the reference to to Kool-Aid drinking, but cults exist on a spectrum as it would happen. And that spectrum runs from positive to negative because there are, you know, some, you know, whether they're religious or non-religious that still have positive impact and don't actually harm their members. But you can be on the negative side of the spectrum without any Kool-Aid drinking and still have a negative impact and do harm to people. So that's kind of my own approach to it. When I do call it cult coaching, it's with the acknowledgement that most of them don't run to the far extreme end, but they're somewhere in that negative side of the spectrum enough to do harm to people. And that's why we're talking about it. I am so glad that you said that. And I love the spectrum distinction. That makes me feel a lot better than, than because I do believe that these are culty, um, whether they're good or not. And, and to me, Certainly. It's, 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 yeah, there's a factor of the intentions behind the leader. But to me, it's really like mm-hmm. admitting to people, I don't know everything. Like this might not be my zone of genius. And when it's people that literally think 
everything is in their zone of genius where I think it gets really dangerous. Yes. Yes. And I, you know, I used to be not in a, in a business space, but like when, especially when I was in the military, I used to be in that space because that's the military wants you to do. But as I become a business owner, I've realized that I actually don't want to be good at everything. It's fun for me to learn. But then once I, you know, master it or master it enough, then I get bored because it was never my zone of genius to begin with. So I, yeah. I recognize those things now and I'm like, er, scourge. okay, I'm not going to learn how to do video animation. That's an unnecessary rabbit hole. Let me back up and just hire somebody. Right, right, right. <laughs> I got to tell you though. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Uh, the first time I made a ball bounce in a video animation, my kids were so pumped. And then I was like, and I got to put this down. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm the same way. I'll go down a rabbit hole and I'm like, why are you spending 25 hours learning this thing that you could hire somebody that <laughs> knows it immediately? Right, exactly. And they know it probably better than you do after your 25 hours, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. So how did you go from Hollywood to starting your own digital marketing agency? Like, that's not, I think, an equation lots of people hear. I got to bullet point it because it's a it's a it's a lengthy story. Fair enough. Um, after about 16, 17 years in Hollywood, right around the time where the not just the industry had had been an unbelievable grind, but just living geographically in Los Angeles. This is the way I put it. Mm -hmm. I said every single thing you have to do when you leave your house becomes a full scale production because of the amount of traffic, because of the amount of people, because yeah. of yeah. the lack of parking. You live your life around traffic. And I thought this is an absurd way to live. Absolutely. Uh, at that time, unpublished, unpublished memoir. And it was all around my relationships. And it was, <laughs> it was a book of, it was called An Open Apology to All My Ex-Girlfriends, Volume 1. Because at the time I was not married. And so it was really a book of, uh, of letters. It was a memoir contextualized in stories about girlfriends and why I had not been married, which was none of their fault. Uh -huh. Anyway, people found it really, really fascinating and interesting. And then a really uh, well-known writer friend of mine said, hey, can I give this to some producers? The next thing I know, I'm getting called by CAA and there's a bidding war and all this stuff. They're going to turn my life into a television show. And I'm like, well, this is ironic as I'm literally want to leave town. And now I could be a writer and a producer on a show about my life. Like it was literally the dream was coming true. So it sounds really great on paper. And then that whole process takes two years to happen. Yeah. Stuff gets bought. Every People don't know this. Thousands of things get bought and optioned all the time per year. The percentage of those that actually get made into a pilot television show is very thin. And then out of the ones that get made into a show that you ever that ever see the screen is even thinner. So I knew going in it was a long shot, but you invest 18 years somewhere, you you you're gonna wait that out, right? So even though I was doing writing and a whole bunch of other things, I have always been fascinated. This was right around when Facebook was like on its serious like tipping point. Yeah. I was like, this is awesome. I love social media. Ask me how I feel about it now. So but I was like, I love this. And then I remember even the first time getting online, being perversely intrigued when I was like, wait a minute, you can buy stuff through the computer? This is crazy town. <laughs> so I always had this bizarre fascination with how people can sell stuff online. And then so I took a job literally running like 17 social media accounts for a company just to keep my mind off of during that two year period of <laughs> this 
show happening or not. Because it's hard. You start getting what ifs. What if the show happens? What if it becomes a, a hit? What if all your dreams come true? Like that's an obsession. And knowing it's a super long shot, like that was a really tough thing to balance. I tried to divert my attention as much as possible. So I was working for this company and they said, hey, man, we'd love you to do some Facebook ads for us. All you got to do is go in the back end, make a couple clicks. It's real easy. And I was like, ah, oh, that doesn't sound right. So I taught myself that at the same as I was getting really more and more into that. After two years, they basically said, yeah, your show's not going to be made. And I was like, yeah, OK, I packed up. I literally Googled best places to live in the United States. A couple nights later, I ended up in Asheville. And then I, wow. Yeah, it was crazy. And then I was in a weird situation where I was like, wow, don't know anybody here. Don't want anything to do with the entertainment industry. Have this perverse fascination with online marketing. And then I'm a, I'm a math nerd, like high end math nerd. Plus, I had the creative and writing skills and I love social media. So that like mm-hmm. paid ads world was perfect. Look at the data, look at the numbers, test a bunch of stuff, write a bunch of cool copy, blah, blah, blah. And then I have a, um, personal motto that I read this book first and I'm like, that's me. Mm -hmm. It's called Be So Good They Can't Ignore You. So I don't know if you've read the book, but it's phenomenal. I haven't. I will put it on my list though. Well, it actually flies. And this is why I love it because it flies in the face of follow your passion and everything will happen. It's the complete opposite of that. It's pick one thing, get really, really good at it. And your confidence and passion will grow out of your expertise. And that's completely what happened. Mm. And then I was one of those people that was like, kind of survival, like I got to figure out how to support myself and all this. So I, I was seven days a week, eight mm-hmm. to 10 hours a day, much to my wife's chagrin, just absorbing every course, program, Facebook ad certificate, like you name it, if it had to do with digital marketing, and I was just on it. So I probably got my 10,000 hours in, in about a year, like it was really, it was really intense. There we go. And now I just love it because to me, marketing is a combination of psychology. Both my parents are shrinks. Math. Mm -hmm. I see a funnel in the whole sales and marketing process. It's this giant equation and figuring out what parts of the equation to manipulate to make the best outcome. And then storytelling and writing. So I love like those three things are kind of my sweet spot. That's more than bullet points, but that's how I got to where I am. That's amazing though. And I want you to know that when you were talking about that, how you see the math when you look at a funnel, it made me think of that, that meme with the lady and all the math equations are floating around her. (laughs) This sounds really corny and probably arrogant, but I literally, I look at funnels and marketing. You can, you can't see me here, but I look up to the right because that's where your creative brain goes. I literally see it like, remember those scenes in Beautiful Mind where there's just like had these massive equations floating around? Like that's really how I see funnels. Right. Or like Charlie Epps from Numbers. Yeah, exactly. And I love, I love (laughs) figuring that stuff out. I know that's probably the most nerdy thing you've ever heard. Dude, I do work during the day with a virtual reality headset on. So while I'm not a math nerd, I got my own flavor. Well, I walked into a, one of the last standing Barnes and Nobles and bought a calculus workbook for fun. For fun. Wow. Well, the fact that, see, I would have spent all day in that Barnes and Nobles. So again, I just got a different flavor of nerd. Yeah, yeah. I miss bookstores. I miss bookstores. If I thought I could make it work in addition to all the other stuff I'm doing, I would definitely open a bookstore. Yeah, I'm missing. Okay, so what are the main ways that you help clients? Like we've hinted at it, it was mentioned in your bio, we've talked a little bit about it, but like what are the main ways that you help people? 
Um, my doorway has previously been for five years about Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. That's something that I'm, I'm really, really good at. And then completely by chance, I had no idea what I was doing at the beginning. As far as business goes, I knew I was really good at ads. I didn't even know about retainers. So I was just charging people on a commission on a performance basis, mm-hmm. which is great. But it, what it also forced me to do real quick, when I, you get your first, I shouldn't say bad client, you get your first client who doesn't understand the depth of their funnel and their whole process. I was like, they blame you because you're spending the money, right? And then you got to look and go, well, actually, the ad metrics are pretty damn good. There's something broken somewhere else in their business or their funnel. So by sheer accident and necessity, I be, sort of became like a funnel expert, but I, but I liked it. Right. Yeah. And then from there, it's grown into like offers. Like I, I, I feel really good about I could map out an idea and make a high ticket offer and then sell it in a challenge or whatever. But, and then I had clients like before they were really known as challenges, people that were coming and doing live launches. Mm -hmm. We had some crazy, crazy success out of the gate. I got more and more referrals to that and had additional crazy um, case studies and all kinds of stuff. And then I've done 60 of these challenges at this point, which is far as I know more than anyone else in the world. Wow. And then I realized selfishly, I need to systemize this whole process for me and take everything out of my super right brain's head. So I hired a team of left brain nerds to match my right brain nerds, and they were able to extract everything and put them into systems and processes and templates and swipes. So now I have an offer that's literally all about five-day challenges. So I believe they're the highest converting mechanism in marketing today. And I'll stand by that until there's something new. And I just walk people through like when you do 60, the cumulative knowledge, right? It's snowballs. So if you did one last year and there was one awesome thing that I was like, oh, Ruthie did this. I got to build this into that. So it's just an accumulation of successes. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, now I've been selling this high ticket offer all all around challenges. And I'll cap this by saying it took me about a year and a half because I am a perfectionist for sure. But going back to what we were talking about at the very top of this episode is the first thing I'm putting my name on out there publicly. So for me, it was really, really important to have this thing, for have people to open up this program and go, holy cow. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happened to people like, this is the most thorough thing I've ever seen. I can't believe this. And so it's accomplished itself, but it took me, I mean, people put together programs in three months and it took me a year and a half. So I could have cut that down. There was some mindset stuff I came up against myself, but it's part of the journey. Yeah. Well, you know, I think your offer is going to be better for it. And like you said, I mean, I think it's, if you're somebody who has like that experience developing offers and you put something together in three months, I think that's one thing. But we also have like industry, we have a lot of people who will decide that they're interested in something yeah. and then create an offer around it with their relatively shallow knowledge. And they create that yeah. in three months. And then it's like, well, that wasn't really necessary. Like that wasn't necessarily the best thing for the clients who end up buying it. And having, you know, been in one of your workshops and seeing the systems and things that you're talking about, I can say with confidence that anybody who's interested in doing a five-day challenge should definitely look into you and your content and what it is that you're doing because they would only benefit from the extensive energy and work and knowledge that you poured into the creation of that offer. Well, thank you. That's very kind. You're welcome. Okay. So to cap every like entrepreneur journey episode, I love to ask my guests what their grand vision for their business's impact on the world is. So what's your big vision, Sterling? 
Um, originally, it was, um, and part of it was coming through ads, and I recognized that I'm really good at helping other people get their voice into the world and become visible and, and, and profitable, which is not always, they don't always go hand in hand. That's true. So I thought, man, I had this epiphany and I'm like, hmm, I think what I'm here to do, and this felt really good, is for me to give a voice to the relatively voiceless. So there are people with incredible amounts of expertise and knowledge that don't know how to get that voice out there. So Mm -hmm. that was part one. But what's coming in so freaking strong right now, and this is through my own struggles along the way, is I feel like there are people with mental health issues, be it trauma survivors, be it anxiety, depression, any of those things that entrepreneurs that deal with that have a completely different path. And I think that the hustle and grind Mm -hmm. slash there's only one way to do everything slash you have to get this out. You got a mindset problem. If you don't get this out by this timeline is extremely damaging. Yeah. And so I want to create a, it's in, in the process, but a marketing, it's, it's focused on marketing and business as the main umbrella, mm-hmm. but the ideal customer wants to grow their business, but also deals with sudden unexpected trauma slaps in the face or just a bout of anxiety or depression and holding a space where people can talk about that completely openly and honestly. Mm-hmm. And that's 50% selfish as well, because yeah. I want to be a leader that doesn't get to a certain point of success, be it financially or followers, and then has to stop talking about my personal issues. I refuse to do that. And I see a lot of quote unquote gurus hit a certain level of of success and now can't share what's really going on because they fear their revenue or their follower will have problems. Mm -hmm. And that's something I never, ever want to ever deal with. I I, like, I refuse to do that. So if I can help people shepherd them, just, Hey, this is what I learned. Hey, it's okay to have to stay in bed for two days because you got hit upside the head with something that you didn't expect and to not shame yourself or have a coach shame you or anybody else shame you that like, we're all on this journey and our journey might have a little zig and zag more than the average person. And that that's cool. Absolutely. And there is a study I cited in one of this year's earlier podcast episodes, the one about the entrepreneurship industry. But entrepreneurs, when compared to their employed peers, are actually more likely to have mental health issues. So even if they didn't have them before, going through their own entrepreneurship journey may result in in some some mental health you know issues or concerns or you know if something wasn't completely bothersome or, or getting in the way of them functioning in their lives before now it's you know become exacerbated to such a point where it is interfering with their day to day and then of course that's just a whole other layer of having like a coach or a consultant who's also you know really poking and twisting the knife in ways that they should not be doing and are definitely not qualified to do. So there's definitely a lot of layers there. And I appreciate what it is that you're doing in terms of creating that safe space, not just for yourself, but for other people as well. It has to be okay to not be okay. Yeah. And and have it be, I know there's a bunch of memes about this, but it really needs to be normalized that frankly, most Americans have some mental health something. And the fact that everybody's got, well, not everybody, but 99% of people feel that they can't express that is actually perpetuating the cycle, but also damaging. And I will, I'll cap what I have to say off about this episode, which you just reminded me of it. 
people say, you know, the saying, hey, if you, if you want to have a mirror held up to your problems, just get into a romantic relationship. I think I think a business is just as intense, if not yeah. more intense than a romantic relationship for putting a mirror of all the bullshit that's about to come flying out of your soul is <laughs> you are face to face with it every day. Yep. I agree. I agree. Okay. So that's our first episode. Oh my goodness. So for everybody who's listening, our next episode, Sterling's going to dive right into talking about his area of expertise and how it creates an environment for an ethical exchange of values. So I'm very excited about that. Definitely go follow him on his social platforms. We'll have those links down in the show notes and learn more about this person. Because even if you're like, oh, I don't know if five-day challenges are for me, which is true, you know, they're not for everybody, you will enjoy the gems that he drops for free on his social media. <laughs> like you will enjoy those. And like he said, like sometimes they're personal, sometimes they're professional, sometimes it's about challenges or ads, but it also might be just about entrepreneurship things in general. So you will get value just by virtue of following him and watching what it is, you know, picking up what he's putting down. So Sterling, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, this has been awesome. I hope you enjoyed hearing this interview as much as I enjoyed creating it. Sterling's life and business are really interesting. Definitely check out his social media links in the show notes. And if you'd like to learn more about his work with five-day challenges, go to www.launchperfect.co question mark FPR equals sign Ruthie 32. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Defy the Status Quo Biz, and the link is in this episode's description. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.